Well, good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, we're so glad you're joining us online. I know we have a lot of people that are in both, both spots, um, but we are grateful. Now, I don't know who made up this statement, but uh, the ser- first service did a really good job. Uh, they, had, they had heard this before, and you've probably heard it before too, but I, I'm willing to guess that you'll do just as well. Um, I'm going to say a statement, and I bet you can finish the phrase. Okay? You ready? You ready? When it rains... Okay, you've heard that, right? I don't know who made that up. But, uh, but you know, it's interesting. As we ended 2020, it felt like it was raining. And it's pouring now, right? Feels like it. You know, um, goodness, I, I'm, I'm troubled at, at what, what I've seen this week in our, in our country. And I'm, I'm burdened about uh, just the struggles that we have. But here's, here's the deal. The, the Bible speaks to these times. The Bible has prepared us for moments like this. And as I think about what the Lord is doing and has done, he's, he's prepared us for this moment. And, and the growing struggles in our nation and the tensions and the uncertainty that, that we're seeing. And honestly, when you, when you take a look at the Bible, you see that these seasons and these times are, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. But when I think about it, um, I'm reminded that, that we're called to this moment. We're called to be missionaries in this environment, in this nation, in this place. And, and, and I'm, I believe the Lord has led us to the book of Colossians. Because when you think about the book of Colossians, it's a, it, it, it's, Colossae was this really interesting city. And, and what's interesting about Colossae, the, the gospel wasn't native to the city of Colossae. We live in Oklahoma, in the United States of America. The gospel is not native to Oklahoma and, and the United States of America. The gospel was brought here. Like Colossae, the gospel was brought there. God spoke and God moved the gospel to that place. And, and Epaphras, he was this leader that was from there, that went back to his home and said, I'm going to be a missionary where I live. And when I think about our world and I look at the problems that we're facing, I'll tell you, we live in a nation that is in desperate need of missionaries. And that's us. And that's why I believe we need to have a missionary mindset and build a, a missionary mindset right here where we live. Do you, do you know Jim Elliott? Have you ever heard of Jim Elliott? That, that's a guy you need to know about. Jim Elliott was a missionary uh, from the United States, went to Ecuador years ago when, when my former church, I was at Council Road Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and, and they, some guys in that church um, produced a movie. So, uh, I don't know, it was probably 15 years ago, called The End of the Spear. And uh, you ought to Google it. And you, it's probably on Netflix. I don't know. But, um, but you can find it. End of the Spear. It's Jim Elliott's story. You know what's interesting about Jim Elliott? He was a, he was a wrestler. He was a tough dude. Um, and God called him. God saved him. And you know what's interesting about Jim Elliott? He, he went to this tribe and I believe it was Ecuador and it was in the jungles and, and no one had, had shared the gospel with this group of people. And they made contact with them. 
And they were like, we, we, we found the Wadani people. We're going to go share the gospel with them. They flew into this beach and they were making contact with the Wadani tribe. And, and they were violent. They were a violent tribe. And, and these men came at them with spears. Jim Elliott and the men on the beach that day, they had guns with them. But they didn't shoot them. You know why? Jim Elliott had the mentality that, look, if, if I die, I'll go to heaven. If they die, they go to hell. And you know what? I'm not going to shoot them. And those men died on the beach that day by this violent tribe. And you know what happened after that? Jim Elliott's wife took his daughter, took their daughter, and they moved in with that tribe and led them all to Jesus. You know what? I'm convicted to raise up missionaries like Jim Elliott who can shoot, but we are more concerned about the soul of a man than we are about their political ideology or their sexual orientation. Now, those are things that we may passionately disagree with. But when it comes to being missionaries in this place, we we are more concerned about the, the soul of a man, not their color of their skin or their background or even their religious affiliation, right? When I I look at our world, goodness gracious, we're in need of missionaries right here. And, And you know, when you think about Colossians 1, turn there, Colossians 1, stay there, stay there in your Bibles, verse verse 5, of this you've heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Now, now Colossians 1, 5, and 6 speaks to this fact that the gospel came to us, and that's, that's huge. That's a big thing that the gospel came to this place. The gospel came to us and, and, and we didn't earn it. We didn't stumble onto it. The gospel came to us. It was given to us. And, and, and then the, the, the church at Colossae is so important, I think, for us because they are a church that understood salvation. They understood this. And, and what I want us to do today is not just look at the doctrine of salvation that they understood, but let's, let's look a little deeper and understand how they lived that out. Because I would say to us, we are living in a season, in a time in the history of our nation, in the history of the world, that the world is desperate to see the gospel lived out. And that's our job. I would say most of the people in this room, you know Jesus. You know Jesus as your Savior. You've experienced the gospel. What, what is the gospel? It's, it's, it's the fact that, that Jesus has solved the problem of sin, right? When, when I look at the, the tensions that I see at every level, what's the root of it all? What's sin? When, when I look at the, the anger that I see in, the, in, 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 in our... Every time you turn on the news, well, what's the root of all that? Well, it's sin. When I look at the, the craziness of, of 
the confusion of gender and of, of racial tensions. What's the root of it all? It's sin. It's sin. And Jesus, the gospel tells us, the gospel that came to us says that, that Jesus came to fix all that. And, and when you look at the, the death, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, it, it, this passage in, this, in Colossians centers on, on the person of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a word that came to us where, where you and I have come to understand grace. You, you know what grace is. Grace is the gift that you've been given that you don't deserve. That's grace. Well, we know the mercy of God. You know, mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. I mean, we do deserve separation from God and punishment, but the gospel came to us and, and we were given this gift of grace and we were shown mercy and that compels us to, to be gracious with even those that we passionately disagree with, right? Doesn't that move us to show patience for outsiders and and even enemies it shows us to show love for our enemies and do good to those that come come against see the gospel has changed us and the gospel continues to work in us through uh, discipleship through our spiritual growth through reproduction and one of the things that that I'm praying for us as a church is that we reproduce here and, and, and the key for us this morning is not just to look at the doctrine of salvation, but let's notice how this church walked in salvation. And I want to say to us, this is a time that we need to walk in salvation. What does that mean? Well, the first step to walking in salvation is this, is to have a growing trust in God. Look at verse 3. He says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, I want you to notice, pay attention to how they, how they trusted the Lord. He says in verse 4, Since we heard of your faith in Christ, Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints. You know, th- this is a church that built a reputation of, man, you trust the Lord. I mean, you're a, you're a people that have faith in God. And I look at that and I think, oh goodness, Lord, may it be our reputation. May that be who we are. That, that, may that be the reputation that marks us. That we are a people that say, man, those people believe in God. They trust the Lord. They show love for all the saints. Because, verse, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. We know this world's not our home. We have a hope in heaven. We, we don't fear death like other people fear death. We recognize that, that there's a, another place that we are heading towards, a heavenly city, an eternal life, right? Of this you've heard before, verse 5. In the word of, of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister on your behalf and has made known to, made known to us your love in the Spirit. You see this church, they have love for, for, for people in the Spirit. This is their reputation. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting as you think about Epaphras and Colossae in this moment, they were facing some tough circumstances. Don't forget, they were serving the Lord during the time of Rome. 
I mean, you think we're, we have a government moving away from, you know, values? Have you ever looked at Rome? Are you kidding me? That wasn't a group of people that was following Jesus, right? Be encouraged that the gospel is not going to be hindered because a government goes away from values of God. This is just humanity. The reality is the church has work to do. You think about the challenges of the church. We'll see later. They had Jews that were fighting against them. And, and, and you think about the environment that Epaphras was in. Um, there were lots of challenges in this church. But in spite of the challenges, this church had a reputation of trusting God. And as we look at our culture, as we look at the tensions in our world, may it be us living our lives trusting God. You know, it's my prayer that we trust him more today than we ever have. That's what it looks like to walk in salvation. You know, it's natural to put your hope in your money, in your job, in your, um, in your family, in, in your intelligence, in your own abilities, in our technology, or our advancements of medicine. It's easy to put our trust in those things. But you know, like we know, all those things eventually will disappoint. It's easy for us to put our trust in our nation, in our governmental leaders. Those things will always disappoint. You know what? We can lose our health. We can lose our jobs. We can lose our finances. We can lose our nation. But that doesn't change the fact that God's on his throne. And that God is faithful in every season, in every time. And may we be a church that trusts the Lord no matter what the circumstances show. And, and, and of course we can trust the Lord. I don't know if you're doing like, like many in our family, we're reading through the Bible. Well, if you're reading through the Bible this year, we read Psalm 1 already this year. What does it say? We, we are like a, a tree planted by the streams of water which yield fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither. Right? And, and here, we, why, why are we like a tree planted by the streams of water as believers? Because our roots go deep. Our roots go down into the Word of God and, and the foundation of Christ. You know what the problem is I look at today? My, Mark Hartman, my pastor at Council Road, who was one of my mentors, he would always say, we got a lot of tumbleweed Christians today. They're just blown around all over the place. But, but that's not how God called us to live. We're, we're, our roots go deep. We don't blow around. We don't doubt. And like Psalm 118, 8 and 9 says, it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes, it says. You know, the challenges I look at that we're facing in our country, the tensions that we are facing right now, you know what the truth is? This is a great opportunity for us to trust the Lord now more than ever. And in the midst of the pouring, the pour down that we're facing, let me tell you something, this is a chance to trust the Lord and walk in salvation. And I found that every time that I trust the Lord, every time I climb up in God's lap and, and look at the world through His lap, from His perspective, I'm like, oh man, this is no big deal. When, when I sit in my perspective and look at all the problems, I'm like, oh no, 
I did that this week. I sat from my couch and looked at the problems unfolding in front of my eyes and thought, oh, no. But then when I calmed down and said, Lord, lead us today. i got to preach a sermon Sunday. God was like, hey, climb up in my lap. Are you surprised about this, Chris? Come on. Remember John 16, 33? Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But Chris, take heart because I've overcome the world. So everything we see, all the, all the failures, all the fighting, all the tensions that we see, we are reminded that Christ has overcome this world. Aren't you grateful? Don't we know that? Salvation has come to us. Power is available to us. His Spirit is guiding us. His promises will never fail us. And let's never forget that. If we're going to walk in salvation, let's trust the Lord. If we're going to walk in salvation, there's a second step that I see. We've got to get wisdom. Folks, we need some wisdom right now. When I look around, I'm thinking, man, we need some wisdom Where does that come from? Look at verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, Paul says. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice it says, filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you know that you can live on this planet? You can live in this world knowing the will of God. You know that he doesn't keep that from us? That God has made his will clear to us. That God has, has revealed himself to us. And the Bible tells us that we are to obtain, we're to get wisdom. And folks, let's go get it. He, he, right now, it's difficult. We live in this crazy digital world. You can't even tell what's true or false. I mean, goodness gracious, I've gotten emails and, and uh, here's the Hillary Clinton's emails. Here's WikiLeaks. Here's, you know, all the, I'm like, you, no one knows what's true. here's a word of wisdom. You realize that not everything you see on the internet is true, right? Okay, we got to think, people. Let's think. Let's process through the lens of the Word of God. Let's consider things before we... Just because somebody has PhD or whatever D... It might mean dumb, right? So... And I say that kind of respectfully, sort of. But, but look, let's, let's remember that God tells us that real spiritual wisdom, real understanding is available to us. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Right? And so the fear of the Lord, what, what is it? That, that doesn't mean that I'm afraid of God. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm fearful of him. Though, I'll tell you what, he's pretty powerful. And nobody's going to stand in the presence of God and go, let me tell you, you no, we're going to be like, you're God. But the fear of the Lord is awe, honor, respect, trust, dependence. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It means that we take God seriously. And folks, this is a time in our lives to take God seriously. 
Take his word seriously. Wisdom is, is, is not just knowledge. And this is why we've got to make sure that we are not just a church that's theologically correct, though that's very important to know the theology of the scriptures. But, but wisdom is not just knowledge, knowing about things. Wisdom is the correct use of knowledge, right? So let's use this correctly, that we begin to obtain wisdom when we open ourselves to God and recognize that, that God, you are right. What you say is right. And you have the ability to, you have the, I give you, I surrender to you. You can change my mind. You can change my thinking. I want to think like you think. I want to walk like you tell me to walk. But we have a tendency to walk our own way. And, and so how do you get wisdom? Doesn't it start? Uh, getting wisdom begins with the right attitude, doesn't it? When you have the right attitude. When you're saying, God, look, I'm going to surrender to you. Because we have this natural tendency to go, I'm going to do what I want. But wisdom comes, no, Lord, I'm going to do what you want. You know that verse. You can probably quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will, what? Make your path straight. And so this passage moves us to call on the Lord to get wisdom. Folks, we need some wisdom. What is wisdom? It's trusting him instead of yourself. It's, it's recognizing your own limitations. I've come to recognize, Lord, I have limitations. I need you. It's, it's placing what he desires above my own feelings, my own emotions. Lord, I'm going to let you control my emotions. And, and where does wisdom come from? It comes from absorbing God's word. And this is what I pray we do. This is how I pray we live. And what's happening today is this, uh, it's not, I know I'm your pastor and I'm, I'm preaching this message, but, but in reality, when you think about what's going on here, the Holy Spirit is, is, is moving us under the word of God. And I'm really sitting with you under the authority of scripture, letting the spirit of God speak to us today, saying, Lord, help us absor- absorb your word. And, and, and we know Matthew 7. The end of Matthew 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains came, the winds blew, and it beat against that house, but it did not fall. And folks, this is why we've got to obtain this wisdom of the Lord, because it's pouring right now on us. The rains are here The storm is raging, but the reality is when we put God's word into practice, we're wise. Let's get some wisdom. And I pray that. We've got to read this book. We've got to study it. We've got to memorize it. We've got to know it. And, And let's not forget, God's word just flat out works. In, in all my life, I, I hope this ministry thing works out for me because I've had one job outside the church. I coached tennis for a summer. And then at 19, I, be, I started working in the church. So I don't have anything else to fall back on. So I hope it works out. But, but I spent a lifetime 
in the church. And do you know that in my entire ministry, I've never had one person walk up to me and say, you know what, Chris? I have followed the Lord. I've done everything I could to put his word into practice, and man, it just didn't work out. Not once. I'm 49. I started at 19. Not one time has that happened. Now, I've had a lot of people, countless numbers of people that said, you know what, Chris, I got off that path. I started going my own way. I started thinking I had a better plan. And boy, I really messed some things up. God's word works. Let's listen to him. Verse 10, he says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So so we're called to walk in a manner. We're called to to bear fruit in our faith. We're, We're called to fully please the Lord. Don't miss that. We're called to bear fruit in every good work. We're called to increase in the knowledge of God. So how do we do that? How does that, how do we flesh that out? Because I would say most of us would go, yeah, I want to do it. That, yes, Chris, I, I, I want to do that. I want to bear that kind of fruit. I want to fully please the Lord. But how do we do that? Well, the third step is you got to get some people. Who's your people? Who are the people around you? Who has your ear? Who do you listen to? Look, we can't tackle this alone. We can't walk the future alone. When I think about 2020, it's crazy to me. You know what happened in 2020? From my, from my seat? It feels like the church was just scattered right in front of my eyes. It felt like, man, we're going home to worship. We're, we, we got scattered in churches everywhere. Every time I'm with a pastor, they're saying, hey, what's the percentage of your church back? And, and, you know, I'm not a numbers person. I make it up all the time, like 43%. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, but you know what? 2020 scattered the church. That brings both opportunities and challenges. But here's the reality. We got to be together. We got to get some people back in our lives. We got to get... You got to have people in your life. You, you know, my son, when he was in high school here at Owasso, he, he played tennis. And I'll be honest with you, I loved that so much, almost too much, to be honest. And, uh, because I played tennis growing up, and I played in college, and, and Eric was playing for Owasso High School, and, and the coach let me coach uh, when he was in high school, and I loved it. Oh, my goodness, I loved being a coach. I bought Owasso tennis gear. I was out there on the courts. I was at almost every tournament. I, was at, I loved it almost so much that Robin would often remind me, honey, you're a pastor. I was like, not today. I'm not a pastor right now. And it's like, Chris, you shouldn't say those things to that other coach. You need to sit down. I'm like, no, he needs to shut his mouth because this is, you know, and so I was like, but I love the, the competition. I love the moments and, and some I had to repent of, but still, um, my greatest coach speech, can I tell you about it? It was so great. Like, I, I, I mean, I had the Tigers playing in my head, and, and, and it was such a great moment. It was in the state tournament several years ago. It wasn't Eric's doubles team, but it was another doubles team for Owasso, and they were playing Edmund Santa Fe, and, and man, it was, they had lost the first set, and they're down, and they're fighting together. These two, uh, our, our team's fighting with each other. 
and they're losing. And one of the coaches said, you got to go talk to them because I don't know what to say to them. They're just mad. And I go out on the court. I was like, come here. And one of them was like, no. I was like, get here. Get here right now. So he comes over and I was like, what are you doing? You guys are better than them. And you're mad at each other. And then this was so cool. You can borrow this. Um, uh, I go, have you seen Gladiator? And one of the kids goes, no. I go, what? You have two. Okay, I did. I saw it. I go, remember that scene when Russell Crowe's standing in the arena and he says, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, boom, 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 boom. I mean, this is, I'm motivated. I'm excited. I decided the tiger, by the way. That was what that was. Um, and, and I was like, hey, when he said, whatever comes out that gate, we're better together than we are, we are apart. And I looked at those, I grabbed their shirts. I go, get together. And they were like, okay. And they won. It was great. The greatest coach speech ever. Thank you very much. I was, I was pumped about that. Um, but you know what? Look at, we need to be together. We got we to gotta figure out how to do this part online and part together thing. We got to figure it out. Because defeating temptation is accomplished through relationships. God's spirit works, but, but look, we hold one another accountable. Look at verse, verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Notice verse 11, underline these words. Strength comes um, as we're together. Power comes. Endurance comes. Patience comes. Joy comes. Gratitude comes. And then this interesting qualification for that inheritance comes. When I think about the church, there, there are three big words that come to my mind. The first is accountability. We, we need to hold each other accountable. As I think about Proverbs 27, 5 and 6, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. And look, there are times as we hold one another accountable that we may wound one another. We may need to say, look, let's, even though we have guns and we can shoot, let's be more burdened about the soul of a man than our differences. Let's recognize that the gospel has moved us to forgive and love and, and not retaliate. When I look at the church, confrontation helps us. But we need to follow the Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 is a really interesting passage about confrontation that, that, that speaking truth in love is critical. That Ephesians 4, 15, wisdom there, that, that, that we have confrontation, we have accountability. But, but when you look at Ephesians 4 as it goes on, don't use harmful words, only helpful words, the kind that build up, like Ephesians 4, 29 says. That we're to support one another. And folks, this is a time that as I look at the chaos in the world, that, that now more than ever, we've got to figure out how to not be scattered as a church.
Because the local church in your life is a power source available to me and you. And this is why you've got to plug in and know names and, and be in life together. We need one another. We, we need to support one another. Verse 13. He goes on. And look at this. This is so interesting. The gospel tells us he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Isn't that what Christ has done for us? When you look at the darkness and the anger and we recognize, God, you've delivered us from that. When you, when you look at the unforgiveness and the vilification that we see all around, God, you've delivered us from that kind of darkness. And look at this, you've transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Again, that's one of those places in the scripture where he talks about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God describes the, the right here, right now, and the not yet. So right now, we get a little glimpse of the kingdom of God because we can pray to the Lord. We can, the, the Holy Spirit is moving in us and leading us, and, and His Word's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and, and, and God's Spirit is, 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 is lifting our head. He lifts our head. He he helps us see the world through, through his eyes, not just ours. And, but then it describes a not yet. One day we will draw our last breath. I mean, the, the vaccine that is available, it's not going to end death for any one of us. But in that moment, I mean, we had... We had couple funerals last week and have one this week. But in the midst of that sadness and those things, look, that's an inheritance that we receive. We've been transferred. God transferred us. The gospel transfers us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And when I think about our call to walk in salvation, yeah, we trust the Lord. We are moved to get wisdom. We are moved to to get a people to be together. But you know what also we're moved to do? To invest our lives. That's what a missionary does. A, A missionary, a fourth step in walking in salvation, we invest our lives. We understand that we are a part of a cause greater than ourselves. We get to follow the Lord right now. That God has entrusted us to these days that he has spoken about in his word. It's our calling to to live trusting him and sharing the gospel and bringing peace and hope and unity and forgiveness. Yeah, we have guns and many know how to shoot them. But... We're called to be burdened for the soul of men. Not these other things that is dividing and causing further suffering and dissension. Find a cause greater than yourself and invest your life in it. And that's the gospel. That's what Epaphras did. That's what we're called to do. 
Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance. As a reward, you are serving Christ. So I want you to know it's time to walk in our salvation. It's time to, this is a time. I don't know what's going to happen this week. Every week, I feel like, man, the storm's still raging. But here's what I know. We're called to be missionaries right here, right now. Saying to people that are in our lives, hey, hey, come on. Look, let's look at the souls of men. You know, this, this Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30, we are gathering somewhere over there in that building. Just find us. We're gathering to pray. I can't think of a more important time or a more important thing for us to do as a church than to gather and pray for our church, for our, our leaders, for our, for our nation. Folks, it's time to walk in our salvation. It's time to serve the Lord. Share the gospel. How's God spoken to you today? Did you walk in this room angry? You know what? There are things that we should be angry about. But let's make sure that we're fighting the right enemy. Let's remember, the Bible tells us that our enemy is not against flesh and blood. Against the rulers, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of this dark world. Look, people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't think like us. It's not our enemy. How's God spoken to you today? Did you walk in this room lost? Not knowing Christ? Not knowing this forgiveness? You know, I came to see, like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah 53 says. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. There was a time I turned to my own way. But I came to see Jesus. And, he, and I came to admit, God, I need you. And, and he, I trusted him. I put my faith in him. And he saved me. He forgave me. Has that happened to you? It could today. My, my prayer for us today is that we allow the Spirit of God to move us. Did you come in today struggling to trust Him? Oh, you can. Did you come in today disconnected? You made the right step. You've connected with us, whether it's even in the here or on there. Let's walk in our salvation. As we worship in just a few minutes, for just a few minutes, allow God to move you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the way you saved us. 
And I pray that our church would, would continue to build a reputation of trusting in you, having faith in you. Lord, I confess to you these days are, are challenging. But I know, Lord, that you didn't call us to easy. You called us to run into the spiritual battle. And Lord, we're going to do that. We're going to run into the spiritual battle. May we be a people that are faithful. And may we fight the right enemy, I pray. Move us now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.